Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Gimel. Today's shir is the Ilud Ishmas Etel Bas Harav Yisrael Me'emei Hanishama Heaven Aliyah and Me'emei Pri'a Blessing. It is also for Rufuah Shleimah of Malka Bas Rivka and Chaya Masha Rivka Bas Zelda. And they have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so we're going to go from the 12th last, about the 12th last line of Lamed Bay's Amud Bay's 32B. And remember, the, the Mishnah brought a whole list of item of uh, mitzvahs or parts of mitzvahs that have to be recited, and it said these can be said in any language. You don't have to say them in Hebrew. So Kriyashma Minalan, how do we know that Kriyashma can be said in any language? Do you see as it's written? Shma Yisrael, listen Yisrael, any language that you can um, understand. Interesting, everyone always, um, people often point out Shma doesn't mean just like here, it means like give uh, what's it um, pay, pay attention or then internalize uh, and, uh, and and here we see that it had a connotation of shoma is that you can hear it that you can understand it not just words going not just sound going into your ear um, you know, my daughter and everything whenever she's like trying to tell us something and she can tell we're not concentrating says, did you hear me? did you hear me? <laughs> so that's what it's like yeah, Shomer you got to understand the year listen and understand so turn around and now we're going to bring the Machloikas in this Kriyashma Bechol Lashon Kriyashma sorry Kriyashma kicks off what? Rebbe Divrei Rebbe Rebbe says Kriyashma has to be said as it's written i.e. in Hebrew the Chachamim saying in any language. My time at the Rebbe, what's the reason behind Rebbe? So on my the Apostle says, Vohoyu. In Vohoyu had Vorim Ha'ele, these words should be. Vohoyu, Bebyosanta, Yehu, they must be exactly as they are. As, as they are, they shall be. So that's Rebbe. So also Rabbanan on so yeah, Rebbe says you can you have to say it in Hebrew as the Pasuk says, you as it is. It's but, but sorry, sorry to, 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 no. If you transliterated the Shema, would that be considered to be saying in the right language or not? Because you see sometimes the back of the city yeah. they've got cage that's transliterated yeah. for somebody who doesn't understand the words. So let's wait for Aramaic till we get to the next piece. But I think it would, because the important point is you're saying you've got to read and say it. But I think theoretically you're allowed to just say it. As long as you're saying the words, does it need to be said from the from the actual text? I mean, interesting. Like Kriyas Torah has to be read from the Torah. You can't say it off the heart. That's you always got to check Raman for Mitzvah voice. I know you know it off the heart, but you've got to be reading it. Um, and uh, so that's um, so I'd imagine it's okay, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So Rebbe says you've got to say it as it's written. I'll say. It. I'll read the Gemara like that. Say it as it's written. Not that you actually have to read it, 
from Hebrew, but I'm not sure. In any language, my time at the Rebbe, sorry, I went back a bit. My time at the Rebbe, Oma Kro, Vahoyu, Bevyosan Yehei, the Pesach says, Vahoyu, they shall be, they, as they are, they shall be. Verabonin, Omri, Verabonin, what's their source? So Oma Kro, the Pesach says, Shma Bechol Lashon Atoshamaya, in any language which you can hear, I, which you can understand. Of Rabbanan Ami Hotsu Vahoyu, but according to the Rabbanan, the Pasuk also says Vahoyu, it shall be. Shouldn't that tell them that it's got to be in Hebrew? So he says, No, who shall I That's to tell that you shouldn't read it, you're not allowed to read it out of order. You can't change the words or the Psukim around, and if you do, then you don't fulfill the obligation. How do they know that? Because the Pasuk says Vahoyu, these words, but. As they are, that's how it's got to be said. I in the correct order. Rebbe Shalayi Kreenelam Aframinale. Whereas Rebbe learned that it can't be said out of order. Nafkelaim Dvarim Hadvarim. The apostle could have just said Dvarim, and it says Hadvarim, an emphasis on the words to tell us that they have to be done in order. For Rabbanon Dvarim Hadvarim Lo Mashmelehu, and the Rabbanon don't learn anything from Dvarim Hadvarim. Rebbe, Nami, so, so that's why, so the Rabbana learned Shema to tell us it can be said in any language, and for you to tell us that it's got to be said in order. The Rebbe, Nami, holds it Shema, and does it, but according to Rebbe, the Postal also says Shema, implying any language. Are you closing the door? Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, right? yeah. 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 Okay, so Shema says, "Ahubi boile lahashmiel ozno for Masha tomoiti mi picha." Rebbe says, "When it says the word Shema, that's to tell us that you need to hear what you are saying. You can't just mouth it; you actually have to hear what you say." Verabonon, sovri commander. Oh, what about the Rabbonon? Shouldn't they use Shema to tell us? Not that it can be said in any language that you can understand, but rather that you have to hear what you say. He says, no, sorry, look, I'm not going to No, they hold like the opinion who says that if you saying Shema, that you can, that you can say Shema, and you, if you say Shema and you can't hear what you're saying, you still fulfill your obligation. So they actually don't require that it be said that you can hear it. Okay, now, so, so that's the sources for Shema. The full three, the full three. Oh, that's a good question. What part of Shema is Shema? Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, I think there's all three opinions. The, the, the if, I don't know why in my mind the primary opinion is that Shema is the first paragraph. Right. Although, in, what does it say in Vahoyam Shema? Yeah, I think it's just, but some hold the second paragraph as well. And some, like the, I think it's the Rambam holds that it's all three paragraphs. So that's what, so, so that would be the, whatever the mitzvah of Shema is, it would be all of them. It's interesting discussion according to the one who says um, just the first paragraph is the mitzvah. So obviously the rest is Rabbonah, but someone who says, no, it's actually once the Chachom added to the mitzvah of Shema, it gets built into the mitzvah Doraisa. So, for example, the mitzvah on the first night of Pesach is to have a kazais of matzah. If you have two kazais, it's a bigger mitzvah. Not an obligation, but it's a bigger mitzvah. If you have three kazais, that's an even bigger mitzvah. 
Um, so maybe it's the same thing here. You say one paragraph, it's the mitzvah Dorais, it's a big mitzvah, and you fulfilled your obligation, and that's what you have to do. You say the second paragraph, you've done a more of a, a bigger mitzvah, and you say that there is those who want to suggest that. Again, a little bit uh, weird way of looking at it, but I'm not sure. You say the bed so the bedtime shema, if you're saying bedtime shema as your mitzvah of shema, let's say because you daven too early, you daven before nightfall, then you have to say all three. Again, Rashi there says, no, you can get away with just the first because that's what he holds as the mitzvah Torah, I say. Um, now the Gomorrah wants to just go try and make a, a deduction from the following piece. So Lamechos of a Rebbe Kola Torah Bechol Loshen Nemra. Let's say that we should, according to Rebbe, maybe when you, again, this, I think he was touching on this yesterday, I don't remember, but the Torah, when you, Rashi says, when you're saying Kriyas Torah can be said in any language. If you would assert that it has to be said in Hebrew, well, you why does it say it says to tell us that it has to be said in Hebrew must be in other times when it's being said it does not have to be said in Hebrew so that's his deal so when it says no it's not a good deal it says no it's not coming to tell us you can't make that deal because the reason it has to say is because it says Shema remember Shema has this dual meaning does it mean you have to hear the words you're saying or does it mean that you can say it in any language so Vahoyu tells us no it must be said in Hebrew also Shema must be but by the fact that it says Shema you need a word to counter that to tell us how to read it. it says, and now we want to say the other way around. So, so okay, so we can't prove from Rebbe that Kriya Satora has to be said in Hebrew. Let's say according to the Rabbana that when you're reading from the Torah, it could be said, it has to be said in Hebrew, because if you thought it could be said in any language, well then why do we need the word Shema to come and tell us that you can say the Shema in any language, in, in any language? Language. Must be it's normally said in Hebrew, should be said in Hebrew, and Shema tells us that these paragraphs can be said in any languages. So he says, No, it's written in the Kosovo. Again, they need, maybe that's not what Shema is coming to tell us, that, it's, that the rest of the Torah can be said in any language. Um, um, it must be said in Hebrew. Because it says, and again, well, they need now a counter to that. Vohoyu could imply that it has to be said in Hebrew. So they say, no, it says, it's, it must be, that's the Shema comes to tell us, again, not that the rest of the Torah is said in Hebrew, but that to counter for you, Shema can be said in any language. Just an interesting point, the, the Tosas asked on Rashi, he says, what do you mean Kriya Satora is said in Hebrew? Kriya Satora is a mitzvah de Rabbana, so I don't need a pasuk to come and tell me, ah, oh, you saying this is how you must say Kriya Satora, that's... The rice are telling me how to do a mitzvah rabbana doesn't make any sense. So the one answer Tosus gives is it must be Rashi, maybe Rashi is referring to when it is a Doraisa mitzvah, Ayla, Pasha Zachov. But the rest of the Kriya Satari is not addressing. Other, other times Tosus wants to give uh, um, another answer given by Tosus is that. It's referring to all these paragraphs we said in the Mishnah, like Parsha Sota, etc. You would think that they have to be said in Hebrew. Again, that's the deal that is going on. Not necessarily the laning in Shul, but these paragraphs that have to be said 
two that have to be said in Hebrew. Machloikes, what would, what would Rebbe hold, what would Rabbonon hold? We tried to deduce from what they hold by saying Kriyashma, and it, but it wasn't successful. Okay, let's go on. Um, There are the answers, but let's go on. So Tefillah, we said in the Mishnah that when you daven, you can say it in any language. So it says, Rachmihi kol matzvi. It's davening for mercy. However you can daven, and however you want to daven, you daven. It's no obligation for a set text for Tefillah. Tfila, what's Tefillah? Pouring out your heart to Hashem. You pour out your heart in whatever language you uh, feel. Most, uh, Rashi says, um, so firstly, Rashi points out, he says, Lord, sorry, crow. We don't need a source that davening can be said in any language. Again, when we say tefillah, we, in the, colloquially, we mean the whole of davening. But in the Gemara and more classical sources, tefillah specifically referring to the Amida. And discuss how the, whenever we say tefillah, we refer to the Amida. You can discuss whether it affects other parts of davening and the ramification, but it means that. But Rashi says, Lord, sorry, crow. You don't need a pasuk. Toho rach mininu vahu lishna. Um, and in the language that you can direct your heart to Hashem best, plead with Hashem, daven to Hashem for your life for what you need, that's the best language to use. It's interesting, Rashi is saying, yeah, we don't have a puzzle, okay, you don't need a puzzle. You tell him you can daven in any language. Rabbi Yehuda said, Rabbi Yehuda says, you should not daven in Aramaic. Because Rabbi Yochanan says anyone who asks for his needs, anyone who davens in Aramaic, the, the angels don't help him. They don't take his tefillah to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Because they don't understand Aramaic. I so they, it seems they somehow since they don't know Aramaic. Either they're not able to, or they don't see why should they bother to take the tefillahs to Hashem. Um, there's two different opinions. So what languages can you daven in? Are we implying that you can only daven in Hebrew? Could you daven in Arabic? And someone who says, one second, one second. As I said, firstly, we, the primary thing we're referring to is the Amid when we say tefillah. So, but we, we, can, we, will, we can discuss other parts of davening, but primary part we're referring to is tefillah. At least on the surface, when we say tefillah, we're referring to the Amida, but that, that in itself could be a question. Um, but the one opinion is that if you can't daven in Aramaic, which is quite similar to Hebrew, as you've seen from Umar, you definitely can't daven in a language that is more foreign. Others want to say that no, it's specifically Aramaic because the angels view it as a corruption of Hebrew. So they view you like distorting the, the holy, the Lashon HaKodesh. That's why they won't. But so if you daven in English, it's better than davening in Aramaic. Spanish is better than Aramaic. That's what um, different approaches to that, to that. But either way, it seems that you shouldn't be davening in Aramaic or maybe even any other language because the angels can't uh, hear you. So he says, No, the difference is, are you davening by yourself or are you davening in a community? If you're davening in a community, your tefillahs will be accepted much more graciously. There's a power in the community that your tefillahs will always be accepted, even if they're in another language. And um, 
But if you're davening by yourself, then you might need the assistance. You might need an angel to I don't want to carry the package to Hashem. And if that's the case, then if it's Aramaic, they're not going to bother. Um, the, yeah, interesting enough, in, in Gomorrah Brochas, there's a similar piece in Gomorrah Brochas, I think it's that Yud Gimel, but there, if I remember correctly, the Rosh says that, you know, the Rosh and Rabbi Niyana say that really any set tefillah that the community say as a set tefillah, even when you're davening by yourself, it can have the the qualities of a communal tefillah, something that needs a little bit of thought, but that's, but so, so if you're davening a normal part of tefillah, standard text, and it is in Aramaic, that would be fine according to that opinion. But that's a very, that's a side point. Um, you're telling me, do you really, do the angels really not understand Aramaic? says, for hard time, we learn to the Brysa, and we're going to bring two sources. Heard a bus call from the Holy of Holies. What did it say? Now, if you notice the language that the bus call spoke in is Aramaic. The youngsters who went to fight war in Antuchia have been victorious. And a second, I just believe, and there was another incident with Shimon Atzadik. He heard a bass call from the Holy of Holies. The army has been uh, negated. The the enemy that wanted to come against and destroy the base Amigdash, Venerag, Gaskalgas, and Gaskalgas the king, either the Greeks or the Romans, depending who it was, which time it was, or Botlug Zairosov, and all his evil decrees have been cancelled. They wrote down the time that the Basco was said, and they checked, and it was the exact same time that Gaskalgas died. And this was said in Aramaic. And so they heard a voice coming from the Kodesh HaKadoshim with these aspects of Nevoah, and they knew that it's an angel saying it. Rashi says, um, he used the interesting word, um, oh, no, we'll carry on. So, so, and how do they know it's Aramaic? Because it was after Nevoah. Nevoah you could maybe consider as directly from Hashem. I imagine most prophets it would almost be viewed as a... Remember, lots of prophecies there. Prophecy was that an angel was speaking to them. Almost uh, some aspect I'm of... Uh, them, a prophet besides Moshe was the, the angel, the angel I don't was the angel. Know, I don't know necessarily if that's true. I think it could just be different levels of clarity from Hashem. But some prophecies definitely an angel from Hashem talking to them. Yeah. Um, just to jump to my mind, the Shimshon. Is they, an angel appeared before them and told them. So, some prophecies. But a bus call, this is second base Amigdash. That's definitely not a, from a Navua straight from Hashem. It must be some aspect, some power that given the right to give such a, a thing. No, 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 these were just wars that were happening during the time of the Beis Amidash, that a prophecy came, a bus call came from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. A bus call is a lower form of divine inspiration. It's not a different, even in, I mean, even in the Vua, there are different levels. You know, Moshe's level was very high, Shmuel's level was very high, different 
but some people's nevuah was lower. That's even in nevuah prophecy. And then there's levels that are lower than nevuah. We, we, you see the term called we refer to that as a heavenly voice, but it's some sort of Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. There are different levels of this, uh, I don't know what exactly you refer Divine, ins- divine inspiration. Yeah. Um, prophecy would be a very strong word for it. But, yeah, so here we're saying that there clearly was a battle and it was said in Aramaic. And you just told me that angels can't speak Aramaic. So the Gomorrahans is no e voice aim a bascal shiny delishmuravida. So the bascal is different because it's made for people to hear, so they have to understand it. So the ba- this Rashi says this mida, this power, this force that's given responsibility to give the bascal has to be able to speak the seventy language. The seventy languages because it has to be able to give it in a language that the people will hear. That's the point of a bascal. The Eboy say Gabriel have to Omar Bal Gabriel Belimdu Shivim Lasham. It could it could be Gabriel who did know the seventy languages. As we see, Gabriel went and he taught Joseph the seventy languages to help Joseph be appointed to the king of as the king of the second in command of Egypt. He had to be taught seventy languages, and Gabriel came and taught him. So Gabriel is a different in a different league of angels, and he does know the Shana Kodesh. Um, just on this, um, yeah, I think you can ask exactly what does it mean an angel and a power, it's these powers that intervene, but it does seem. Um, I would almost consider an angel an angel would more be anything that Hashem sets as a messenger so Hashem set this world in motion giving various forces to various aspects and we see that there and that's what we refer to their multiple forces in this world we've got to just realize that they all stem from Hashem that's ultimate um, but those would all be the aspect of angels, nature, etc. Um, now a question that I want to ask you, I hope, is the Ramban says that asking angels to intervene on our behalf is basically our Zorah. Yeah. The, Ram, the Rambam has in his uh, the 30, you know, the 13 what's it, the 13 statements of faith which is actually, the ones we have in the Siddur are excerpts or summaries, maybe not, and some might even argue they're not accurate summaries, in Perakachelech, the Rambam has an introduction to that Perak, and part of it is where he discusses the 13 principles of faith, and the first one is that you're not allowed to turn to an angel, you don't turn to an angel, and it's basically Avodah Zorah. So what does it mean we daven and we hope that the angels accept, take out fillers to Hashem? That sounds very close to these problems that the Ramban and the Rambam are speaking about, and that's why there's a whole controversy that certain Piyutim. It's funny, we say them in Slichos and around uh, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I don't remember if it's Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or both of them too, where we ask, may those who usher, may the angels usher in our twillers before Hashem. You're, like, what, you're standing on Rosh Hashanah and you're going to touch, you know, you're going to enter your head in this discussion of whether you're transgressing Abod Zorah or not. So, but either way, that's a very strong question against us. So, someone who say, this is, what, this is what I thought, and then I subsequently thought, saw some other people give it as an answer. It's when we speak about the angels interceding in our twillers, we kind of mean Hashem's not going to pay attention to our twillers, and He's not going to give the angels the uh, job of carrying out the answer to the twillers. I, there's, a, there's an aspect of your twillers not answered by Hashem. If it was answered by Hashem, then He'd send an angel to go and uh, do it. It was answered by Hashem. Just sometimes it's not. Well, that's how we say. 
okay, so yeah, so, so he's more likely to say no or say I'm not discussing it with you. Um, so it's like, here you're, I hear you, I hear you trying to say something, but I'm not discussing it with no, you now. Okay, so maybe you could answer that, that you're not davening to Hashem, you're asking him to deliver it. But again, we turn in our middle, we say that's one of the. It's mind blowing if you think yeah. about it. When you're davening your midah, we say you should view it. You should view it as if you're standing right before Hashem. So to help you with the imagery, you can envision yourself standing in the kodesh hakodeshim right before Hashem, talking to Him. So to say, but now I've got to worry that an angel's going to just like take my feel to Hashem. It seems a little bit incongruent. Um, but yeah, there are various yeah, answers. Sorry, do not pray to the angels. Well, I think to, maybe not to literal Avodah Zorah, but to assume that you need an angel to help you get your tefillah's answer is heading in that direction. Maybe it's not actual Avodah Zorah. Um, that they use a medium, the medium to Hashem. And we treat that as Avodah Zorah, even though they're asking for it to intercede on their behalf. Um, so, come back to where we were. So, so that's, a, that's a strong question on this, uh, this idea and this comprehension. Um, there are other approaches. Some say, look, you know, like I think some would say, similar to what you're saying, that you're not davening to the angel, you're asking Hashem to, you ask, you're just it's hoping that Hashem to help, to, to help it along or whatever. But yeah. It's the same thing, you shouldn't get a human being to intervene on your behalf either, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, we do ask Tadikim and other people to daven for us. It's a strong um, Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Are we when, and even more, even more problematic is when you go to the cemetery and you stand by graves and davening. What, what are you doing? Davening to Hashem, davening to, um, davening to the person to intercede on your behalf. Like, what are you doing when you daven by graves? Those are important things. But it does seem that, so it does seem that there's an interesting, why is it called Loshan HaKodesh? You're saying that Tefillah, you can daven in any language. Because again, Tefillah, you're turning to Hashem, you, you know, you're davening for what you need. And the idea is to focus on Hashem. So do that in the way that you can do it best. If I now have to start thinking in Hebrew or some other language, I'm going to like not be focusing my, on my meaning of my tefillah. I'm going to be focusing on the language, which is a distraction. So that's a good question. Kaddish was said in Aramaic so that everyone can say it because that's what people spoke. Don't know why we never updated it into mm-hmm. the different languages that, as we go along. Well, we just said if the angels don't understand it, they're not. It's going to not be as effective unless it's in a community. In communal dabbling will always be accepted, whatever language you do it in. Interesting, are you allowed to dabble in any other language? Strictly speaking, you are, and so too since the Shliatsi will can get up and say Baruch Atah Hashem, God of Avram, God of Yitzchak, God of Yaakov. Um, the awesome Mardi you know, or you can dive it in English. Um, I know at the time of the reform, when they were like trying, changing tefillahs and bringing certain practices in, there's a lot of controversy about davening in the languages because it was a big thing of reform. They changed a whole lot of tefillahs into, I mean, it must have been German in those times. But I don't know. So that was a whole controversy, um, but technically, on the surface, it seems very clear that you can daven in any language, and in some aspects it might be better if people are able to daven with more focus and meaning. Um, interesting, why is, what gives Hebrew its status of Loshan HaKodesh? So the Ramban on Chumash discusses the Shekel HaKodesh, 
So he brings the Rambam from Morin of Bukhum. He says that Hebrew is called Lashon HaKodesh because they know bad words. They know dirty words. You don't find words for the female or male organ. You don't find words for intercourse. It's via coming together or vayeta. They knew each other. They connected. You know, there's, there's no words for these dirt, for bodily fluids. There aren't words for them. There's ways that we kind of say what we mean. Euphemism. But not uh, so. You, so that's why the Rambam says Hebrew is holy. Very interestingly, um, the Ramban says that's not why it's holy. He says why it's holy is because it is the language that Hashem created the world in. It's the language that Hashem speaks to His angels in. It's the language that is used for all holy things. And therefore, there would it seems be a male dubbing in Hebrew. We mentioned that also on the Mishnah. That the filler was sent was was the words that Anshak Nesagdala instituted the Amida in were very precise and very precious and very dear, each one having its spiritual, great spiritual implications. So there is a special dimension in Tamling in Hebrew, but I just I think this Gemara puts it very clear. It says, La Mali Shal Aram Trachov Aromis sorry, not that one. Um Matsi. You dab it in the best way you can. And that's, I think, ultimately the source we go, that you should go back to. And Tosas discuss whether you need a posse, as we said, Rashi said you don't. Let's carry on. Birchaz Hamazon, benching. as it's written, You will eat, you'll be satisfied, and you'll bench, and you'll bless Hashem, your God. You can say a bracha in any language. Oh, why do we need a posse here? Isn't it also just logical? The Torah says you bench. And you say the bracha, you, it doesn't tell us what to say, so you can say it in any language. So Rashi says we might connect it to the brachas and klalos that were said on Hargrizim and Haribel, which have to be said in Hebrew. Um, or Tosos aren't happy with that, they give another source. But either way, it seems you do need a posse to tell us that benching has, can be said in any language. Shvuas ha'edus. So remember we said if someone adjures you to say, to take a shvur that you don't know testimony to defend them, then... That's what can be said in any language. A person who sins and he hears the voice, the, the sound of the earth. Any, again, this word shema, any language that you can understand. A shvur denying that you owe someone money. We learn it as exaggeration from shvur Oh, shvur can be said in any language. So to shvur is connected and can be said in any language. Then the Mishnah went on and gave the list. Um, uh, etc. said, what, how do we know that Mikrabi Kurim has to be said in Hebrew? Because it says, for Anisov says, you will answer and say, remember, respond and say that emphasis. And later on it says, as call Ish Yisrael, the, the Levim will respond and they will, and, and every man, every Jew will say, just as that Aniya by the Levim, by the Brokhs and Kalos, her evil had to be said in Hebrew, Afkan Beloshana Kodesh, so too, and it says Aniya by the Bikurim, it's telling us in Hebrew. Oh, the Levim, Gufei Where do we know that the Levim's thing had to be said in Hebrew? Okay, so we learn and we say, 
yeah, by the Levim, it's said in Hebrew, so so to it's said in Hebrew, where do we see that it has to be said in Hebrew by the Levim? It says, I say, call, call me Moshe. We learn call, call from Moshe. It says here by the Levim, in a loud voice. And it says by Moshe, Moshe, um, this was by um by the Bamatan Torah, it says, Moshe Moshe spoke and Hashem was responding with sound. They explain that basically, remember, how could Moshe give over of the first two Ten Commandments were said by Hashem? Moshe gave over the rest, but how 600,000 people going to hear? So Moshe would say it, and Hashem would give, uh, give him the power so that everyone could share it. So, but either way, we see The Torah was given in Hebrew, so Moshe must have been speaking in Hebrew. So we use the word kol kol to teach us that so too the Levim's thing, Baharis Gruzim, had to be said in Hebrew. Chalitza Keitzad. How do we know Chalitza? Remember, the Tanakhama gave um, gave the same song. It says on Omrosh. You will respond and you will say that same word of Inu responding. Oh, it must be in Hebrew. So we're now going to um, and then we brought Rabbi Yehuda who says, no, the Pesach says she will respond and say Kacha as is. Or so, she will say it just as it is, she must say it in Hebrew. So, so what did the Rabbanon do with Kochom? To teach us that any actions by Chalitza are essential, and if you don't do it, it is valid. So the taking off the shoe and the spitting are essential, and if you don't do it, that's what Koch is coming to teach. For Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, no, you can learn both, because it could have just said Ko, so, and it says Kocho. So we see that's to teach us both. But the Rabbanon say you can't learn an extra trosha from the word, from the fact that it says Kocho, Instead of Koko. Okay. What does Rabbi Huda learn from, sorry, for Onsa for Omra? That's your respondent. Again, the Rabbanon said that teaches us it has to be done in Hebrew. Rabbi Huda says, I already know it has to be done in Hebrew. So what does he learn from that? This is to. He needs it for the to teach that the Levim had to say their thing and the Brochus and Clause in Hebrew. Why doesn't he learn call from Moshe? The Rabbanon said well, we said we just said what's the source that the Levim had to say it in Hebrew because it says call by the Levim and it says call by Moshe. When Moshe was speaking it was Hebrew, so so too yeah it's Hebrew. He says, no, he had a tradition regarding Ania. He did not have a tradition regarding Kol Kol. What does that mean? Interesting enough, we know we have this type of Drosh Exerashama, that when you have two similar words or two phrases that mean the same thing, we learn Exerashama and you can learn from one parak, one case in the Torah to another. However, those words that you were allowed to join and learn together had to be through tradition going back to Moshe Rabbeinu. So you had some rabbis who had different traditions. So Rabbi Yehuda did not have a tradition that you make a Shava on Kol Kol. So he can't use that as a Shava. He can't make up his own Zayra Shava. And that's why he didn't learn that. Tanya Nami we have a price which basically says the same thing. Rabbi Yehuda, Oymer, Komokom She, Neymar, Koi, Kocho, Aniva, Amira, Eino, Ele, Loshon, HaKodesh. Whenever you see the phrase, Ko, Kocho, Ania, that's telling us it has to be said in Hebrew. So they shall bless. This is Ba 
Birkas Kohanim. It says Ko, which tells us that Birkas Kohanim, Nesias Kapayim, uh, what do we call it? Duchanin has to be done in Hebrew. Kocho, the Chalitza. The Kocho Bachalitza. Tell us that the, per, the phrases Bachalitza that have to be said have to be said in Hebrew. And Ania Vamira, the Levim. And we learn that Zaira Shoba to the Ania Vamira, by the Levim, that their thing also had to be said in Hebrew. Oh, Brochos Uklalas Kaitzat. Kivain. Um, yeah, and then we went into the Mishnah and we went through the story of the brachas and the Klaus and Har Eva. Remember when they crossed the Jordan, they went into Eretz Israel. So we first got to discuss the location. So, Tonerabonon. Hello, Hema Be'evera Yarden. So, yeah, I'll just read the full pasuk because that's what we're going to be analyzing. It says, Hello, Hema Be'evera Yarden. Achare Devech Mavo Hashemesh, Be'eret Aknani, Hayoshef Aravo. So each of those phrases we're going to expound. It says, this means that they were far in. And they weren't just, just across the Jordan, they went far into Eretz Israel. Far from the path from where the sun comes. What does it mean? Mokom Shachamaz Oreches, where the sun, you're far on the way to where the sun comes. I'm Mokom Shachamaz Oreches. I head to the east of Israel. Remember, the Jews started on the west of the Jordan and they crossed into, and now it's telling us to go far towards the east. I head towards the sunrise. Be'eret HaKnani Hayoshe Ba'aravo, in the land of the Knani that dwelt in the plain. Elu HaGrizim Ba'aravel, Shayoshe Ba'hem Kutim. This is HaGrizim and HaEvel. Which at the time, at the time that this not not when Bnei Israel went into Eretz Israel, but at the time this Brisa was written, was or recorded or, or uh, formulated, was where the Kutim lived. The Kutim lived on Har Grizim and Har Evel. Okay, and this is in, this is already second Temple time, but that's when this Brisa was formulated. But that's where they lived. Mulhal Gilgal. Opposite Gilgal, what does that mean? Somochle Gilgal, close to Gilgal, all that you can see. It's opposite you, you can see it. Eitzel Elonei Morei, Shechem. When it says by Elonei Morei, that's referring to Shechem. How do I know that it's Shechem? So, Ulehalan hu Oimer vayavor Avram Eretz ad Mokom Shechem ad Elo Mero. Avram passed through the land and he went to the place of Shechem, Elon Mero. So we see Elonei Morei is by Shechem. Ma Elon Mero, Omer Lehalan Shechem, Afkan Shechem. They both referring to Shechem. So this is the first opinion that basically where's Hargrizim and Harevel, but Israel went far into Eretz Yisrael towards this place, um, again, which we know of, that's what the Bryce is speaking, which we know of is where the Kutim stay, and they, uh, and it's near Shechem. Rebbe, some say take out the Tanya because it's just a continuation of this Bryce. On the Rebbe Loz, Rebbe Yossi, Rebbe Loz says, in the name of the son of Rabbi Yossi, he says, but Dabba says, Yafti Sifri Kutim. In this way, I proved false the Sifrei Torah of the Kutim. Remember, the Kutim had a part of their thing is that they kind of only accepted the Torah Shabbat and they ignored what the rabbis taught. But you're always going to have to come to interpretation. So that's what he's going to highlight that they actually changed a few words in the Torah to make it suit them, to make sense of it. Because you can't just understand the Torah without the Torah Shabbat there. So they kind of made it up. So he says, I'm going to prove that your Torah is false. I, it's nonsense this that you limit yourselves to the Torah Shabbat itself. I said to them, look, your Torah is forged. Why? Because they, by this possible, they said, Olonei 
They added in the word Shechem. It says, why? It says, And you gained nothing from your adjustments. You say in your posse, We agree, us who follow the rabbinic tradition, agree that it's Shechem. Anu lo madnua begzeire shava, atem b'malamadatum. We learned it as exeire shava. How did what, how do you know that? I, where are you getting that it's shchem from? You're actually fooling in your chumash that it's shchem because you're aware that we have to say it's shchem, but you have no real source. You you must be piggy, piggybacking off us. And you see that it's necessary to have the Torah Shabbat pair, as you feel is necessary to explain the Chumash yourself. Look, we have a Zayra Shabbat, we have a tradition going back to Moshe. Um, I saw in Arsenal a beautiful idea from the Marome Sade, that's the Natsiv, on uh, taking the discussion to a next level, but basically they held that. Why, why do we emphasize that the Kutum stayed on Hagrizim and Harivel? Because they held that that was where the Beis Amidash was supposed to be. Because it says, as you go into Eretz Yisrael, Baharizim Harivel, build the Mizbach. Oh, so that's where the Beis Amidash must be. She's highlighting this, that you come and fill in Shechem, but this whole story, yeah, you see the necessary to fill it in, but you can miss the whole point by not having the oral Torah, which will tell you the base of that she's actually supposed to be. Um, Rabbi Eliezer, I mean, Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar said, He says, no, the Mount of Har Grizim and Har Evel that we're referring to is not the famous Har Grizim and Har Evel Bashchem, it's right as they cross the Jordan. Etc. Because if you're going to tell me it's far into Eritrea, doesn't the Pasuk say that they had to do this on the day they entered Eritrea? How far? They're going to have to cross the Jordan and then get far into Eritrea on that same day. Not reasonable. And therefore it must be a Hargrizim and a Harevel right near the Jordan River where they cross. Now he's just going to um, bring out a few terms what do we mean by where the sun comes? By sunset. The phrase where the sun comes is not so clear. And the first opinion of Yudah says it means where the sun starts to come. And basically he's learning where the sun comes. We actually, if I remember correctly, we generally say means sunset, either west. So he's saying it's to the west of Eretz Israel. That's what that Pasuk is saying. Now we're just going to bring a few difficult phrases in the Pasuk and how would he explain So the Eretz Kanani, Eretz Chivi According to Rabbi Yehuda, Eretz Kanani is the Eretz Chivi. Which he then goes along and says, who dwell in, the Pasuk then goes along and says they dwell in the plain. says, But we know that the Chivi dwell in the mountains. So mul hagilgal, and then it says bagilgal, valo ro oes hagilgal. If you're in the shchem har grizim harevel, you're not going to be able to see gilgal. It's far away from it. So Reb Lezer Reb Yaakov, explained. You're right. That pasuk is not coming to tell us where Hagrizim and Harevel. Okay, according to Rabbi Eliezer, Hagrizim and Harevel is basically as they got into Eretz Yisrael, unlike how Rabbi Yehuda learned and those pesukim. Oh, so what's all those phrases that don't make sense that imply that they're traveling far into Eretz Yisrael? 
because remember, it's a long pasuk. It's not just the beginning of, uh, it's not just one phrase. As you get in behind, you in behind it's, a, it's on the way, etc. So he says, no, that's coming. To tell us the word, the way they should travel on their second journey. When they continue, once they get into Israel and they continue traveling, this is guidance how they must travel. Just as Hashem showed them at first. When they were in the desert and initially Hashem guided them exactly how to travel, where to travel with the Ananah Kofot, with the clouds and the, and the pillow of fire. Once Moshe died, there was no longer that level of uh, leadership. So that's what Hashem is coming along and preempting the, the trouble they'll have and guiding them how to travel in Eretz Israel. And what is that? So derech, but derech When you're traveling, travel along the highway. You don't have to go through the fields and vineyards. Head to the settled areas. You don't have to worry about the desert. And head to the plains, not to the mountains. Okay, so that's Basically, a brisa establishing the uh, place where Hagrizim and Harevel. We actually see it some achlokes from the Al Mishnah was that it's Bashem, so that's actually Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Now we're going to go and elaborate on the story of the crossing. So he says, Tanu Rabbonim Kaiser Rabbi Yisrael Tiyardain. How did the Israel cross the Jordan? So we'll and we'll just do the first part of it today. It's going to continue for quite a while. It says, Bechol Yom Aranoise. Generally, the Aaron traveled after two um, groups, and on this day, crossing the Jordan, it went in front. I remember, this seems to be, remember, there was a formation that Ganesha camped in, but there was also a formation that they traveled in, almost like a front guard and a rear guard, etc. So generally, there was two camps going before the Aaron as the front guard, I think it was Yehuda and Ruvain, and here, but on that day it went first. And Emma says, He now Aaron Abris, Adam Kola Oretz, Overlifnam. The Aaron, the Ark of Covenant of the Master of the World, went in front of them. Behold, Yom Yom Levim Noisin as Aaron, Behold, you Noisin Kohanim. Behayom Nois U Kohanim. Generally, the Levim carried the Aaron, and on this day, the Kohanim. Carried the Aaron. Shemar says, kapos Hashem." To be as the feet of the as the feet of the Kohanim, the soles of the Kohanim touched the who? Sorry, the soles of the Kohanim of the Kohanim who were carrying the Aaron. And Tanya Rebbe Yosi, Oimer Rebbe Yosi said, kohanim We find three places where it specifies that the Kohanim carried the Avon. When they crossed the Jordan, when they lay siege and surrounded, walking around, were walking around and when they ported to the base of Nidash. Yeah, and we'll carry on with the story. So we, just, we, we made two points into the story. We'll carry on. Is that the... Aaron went first, which was unusual, and the Kohanim were carrying it, not like the rest of the travels in the desert where the Levine were carrying it. Okay, we'll leave it there.